We apologise for the poor quality of this recording, which is due to technical reasons beyond our control. Filters have been used to make the first part of the talk clearer, but you will still notice some distortion. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the weekend, and we thank you for the blessing it's been to, to consider and um, the work of Beach Missions and the encouragement that speakers have been to us today. And we pray that you'd be with Steve as he opens your word to us later on. And we ask for your pres- uh, an awareness of your presence, Lord, and we ask that you might bless us now. In Jesus' name, Amen. The reading is the book of Romans, chapter 12. The book of Romans, chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith, or ministry, Let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honour giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Amen. I asked Paul the other day, I said, Paul, have you ever had an invitation to um, anywhere famous? And he said, well, yeah. He said, uh, I got an invitation from Buckingham Palace, actually. I said, really? He said, yes. He said it was from Andrew. I said, really? He said, yes, it was uh, to have lunch with Andrew at the palace in his room. I said, really? He said, yes, it was just me and him. I said, really? And then he told me, in fact, it was Andrew Lewin, the butler, and not Prince Andrew, uh, in the palace. But nevertheless, he had an invitation from an important place. 
And, uh, dear friends, we're coming to the final uh, stretch today. Two talks left on this theme of confident Christianity. We can be confident in our conversion. Then we shared that. We can be confident in God's word. Sarah told us that. We can be confident that the Bible is true. Creation, evolution, they've ministered that to us. We can be supremely confident in our Saviour, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, risen, conquering Son. And Steve reminded us of that. And uh, with all of that in mind, we come to uh, our calling, confidence in our calling. And we're looking at this chapter, uh, Romans 11, uh, 12 rather, which, uh, in which there's many calls. And dear friends, before we look through, look at them in detail, can I say to you that you, Christian, have been called or invited, uh, not by a queen or king of the country, but by the king of kings and lord of lords. You have been called to lead the Christian life. It is a high calling because it can come from no higher person in the universe. It's a heavenly calling. Because this is a, something that comes from heaven to you and me today. The call to live the Christian life. And supremely, it is a holy calling. And you and I are called to a life of holy living for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to be focusing on uh, today. Our first uh, verse, do keep your Bibles open please. It's a call to sacrifice. In verse 2, we have a call to separation. In verse 3, there's a call to humility. In verses 4 and 5, there's a call to unity. In verse 6 to 8, there's a call to service. Verses 9 and 10, a call to love. Verse 11 to 12, a call to pray. And verses 13, a call to generosity. Let's look at those, shall we, uh, together in this great passage. First of all, who is speaking? A man called Paul. A man who once persecuted Christians and hauled them to their deaths, who was present at the death of a martyr, the first martyr, Stephen. And yet a man who is transformed by the Holy Spirit and he stands before us uh, with his heart spiritually open to us and he's saying this, look, in the light of all God has done for you, Christian, he says, I beseech you, I beg you, it's a strong appeal. He's begging us to do something, to present our bodies a living sacrifice to Christ, holy, acceptable unto God. And he says, this is your reasonable service. In the light of all that God's done for you, this is what you've got to do. We've thought, haven't we, today, about a saviour who left heaven. About a life that was lived without sin. About a body that was nailed to a cross. A face that didn't hide away from shame and spitting 
his beard, his plucked out, his back, his torn, not like a field, one of the verses in the Old Testament says, hands that did no harm were nailed to a cross, and the blood of God's own Son flowed, and we remember it was for us. And Paul says, in the light of all this, what have you got to do? What have I got to do? He says, I beseech you, I beg you, you can resist it. Give yourself. Present your bodies a living sacrifice to him. Your body and mine, that's what we sin with. Because our bodies sin, our hands, our eyes, our feet, our hearts, our thoughts, his body was nailed to a cross. And Paul says, if you've been saved, Christian, in the light of God's mercies, you've not only been forgiven, you've been put right. All of his righteousness has been put in your account. When you're a Christian, you know, you don't just go from the red to zero. Sometimes a bank balance can go in the red sometimes, doesn't it? Shouldn't, can do. When it goes to zero, you know, that feels good. But when it goes infinitely in credit, it's marvellous. Do you know, to God we're sinners. He hasn't just brought us back to zero. He has put all his money in our account spiritually. And when we stand before God as justified sinners, with all the righteousness of Christ given to us, Paul says, in the light of these mercies, you've got something to do. And so have I. You've got to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, in the last chapter, he was talking about the Jews. They had a temple. And there were still sacrifices being sacrificed when Paul wrote this epistle. The Jewish high priest would still take a lamb each morning and evening, and it would be presented to him, he would examine it to see if it was acceptable. And he would take a knife and he would cut his throat and it would be burned as a sacrifice. And Paul said, Look, we don't do that as Christians. But what we present is ourselves to them. We present our bodies, living sacrifices, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You heard the story, didn't you, about the, the pig and the chicken walking down the road? And you saw a sign saying bacon and eggs in the cafe. And the chicken said, should we go in? And the pig said, no. He said, for you it's just an offering, but for me it's a total sacrifice. You know, there's a lot of, we make an offering sometimes, don't we? But this verse is talking about whole commitment to our God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It says it's reasonable, it's logical. There's nothing more logical than this. That you give yourself to God. He's made us. He's bought us. C.T. Sud said this. If Jesus Christ is God and died for me. Then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. One of the early church writers said this. He said, how can the body become a sacrifice? He said, let the eye look on no evil. And it's a sacrifice. Let the tongue utter nothing face. And it's a sacrifice. Let the hand work no sin, and it's an offering. But besides this, we must exert ourselves for good. The hand must give, 
the mouth must bless those that curse us, and the ear must ever listen for God. We present ourselves as sacrifice. When should we do this? How about every day? Every day. In that time we call the quiet time. Consecrating ourselves. All that we have. And all that we are. To the Lord. Warren Wiersbe says, Every day is a worship experience when you commit yourself to the Lord. And you know, the sky of church history sparkles with people, men and women who've done that. I hope you picked up some books from the bookstore uh, today, uh, or today, yesterday, for the weekend. Missionary biographies. Can I recommend them to you? If you're not one of those the great stories of missionaries in the church. They're tremendous reading, you know, they're challenging. Do you think of what others, just like you and me, have given up and done for Christ? The story of David Livingstone. He went to South Africa, and it said at one point he preached the gospel and that. Working as a doctor, he said he stood on a mountain and he looked at hundreds of native villages that have never heard of. I see the smoke from hundreds of villages that have never heard the gospel. And he dedicated his life to open up the continents and, and preach the gospel to those villages. And, uh, you know, when he died, he died on his knees. He had only two and six, twelve and a half pence in his pocket when he died. And yet the African believers carried his body 3,000 miles across Africa so it could be shipped back to England and buried. The only pauper ever to be buried in Westminster Abbey. Such as they were speaking. Gladys Aylward, a Wyella, used to go to the open airs in London in the, in the early days of Young Life, a chambermaid, a parlourmaid. And her uh, brother challenged her about China. He's really interested in China. She said, someone should go. Someone should go. And he stuck his head down the door and said, well, why don't you go then? And the words never left them. So she did. She saved up. She got on the train. The Trans-Siberian Railway. Can you imagine that? In those days. And they stop at every gas lamp, you know, to Siberia. She went. She found it in orphanage. The writings are telling sometimes. She speaks about longing for companionship. So she waited for her husband. And never came. And yet, she influenced a generation of people. She presented her body, a living sacrifice to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I stop and challenge you folks from these verses? Have you done that? Where are you sitting now? Really? Have you, has there been a time when you presented your body? What you are, your body and mind, to the Lord Jesus Christ as a sacrifice. Have you given yourself to God? And if not, why not? Nothing is more reasonable, logical, sensible than you should do it. And if you've never done it, do it today. There's no better time. Because come to the Lord and give Him all that you are and all that you have. You know, as a call to sacrifice, there's also a call in these verses. It goes on to say, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a call here to be separate. Not a popular word. There's a definite call here to be not conform, shaped uh, by this world which is transitory, changeable and unstable. A 
Christian can be conformed to the world. There is such a thing as a worldly Christian. Do you know we get illustrations of that in the Old Testament? I'm thinking of two. Lot and Samson. Lot was a believer. He said he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Place of wickedness, sexual immorality. He didn't separate. Eventually he rose up the ranks and he was sitting in the gate of Sodom. He came high up in the city and a good job. And eventually he had to be saved. His boyfriend lost his family. A compromising Christian and uh, worldliness. Uh, lot of worldly believers. Samson, he couldn't control his passions. Didn't honour his mum and dad. He went out with a girl from the world. And, uh, not, and more than one. And Samson, the great judge of Israel, was blinded, wasn't he? Many strong men have been slain by the pair, it says, the strange woman, Delilah. And uh, you know the story of Samson. They are beacons in the Old Testament to warn, warn us of the dangers of not separating from the world and not controlling our own passions. And Paul says, don't be conformed to this world. You've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transformed, you know, is a lovely word. It's metamorphosis. Uh, the idea we get, you know, when a, butterfly, when a caterpillar changes into a butterfly, that's a lovely picture of conversion. Caterpillar crawling around in the mud. And then one day, it dies. It goes into its, its cocoon. And it dies effectively. It's all changed inside, all the DNA. And then suddenly starts to break out and that creature that was pulling down the dirt into the world that freed up their damage and you know when we before we were Christians we were crawling around in the dirt of the world when we become a Christian the Holy Spirit changes us and the world of the Spirit is open to us as the biology professor once said he said every caterpillar was once a butterfly and you know we were once those who walked around in the world with but to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. How is that done? How can your mind and my mind be renewed? Dear friends, the Word of God, the Word of God is that how we renew our mind. Interesting to hear Steve refer about his diet there, and uh, keep going Steve, got a long way to go, but keep, keep on with it brother. <laughs> Sorry about that. But, uh, do you know, folks, uh, that was good, wasn't it? Uh, uh, keep showing up and reading the book. That, that was a good advice. But you know, that's how our, that's how our, uh, our minds are transformed in folks. It's through the word of God. We need to read it every day of our lives. Do we do that? Do you have an appointment with God in your day? Do you get alone with Him? Open His Word? and present yourself to him and consecrate the date and ask him to speak through his word and pray. You know, why not make it resolved in this conference if you've been letting your, your quiet time slip, folks, to make your appointment with God tomorrow morning and don't miss. Keep it going. Read his word. That's how your mind is transformed. Hear his word, not just once, but twice on a Sunday. You know, before I used to go on beach I used to show up at church at 6.30 in the evening. And uh, sometimes not even, even then. This is a Christian coming on UBM. Young Christian chanting me to two things. First, to have a quiet time. Second, to keep God's day holy. 
it's such a blessing to me to be one who reads the word and also to be one who's in church morning and evening to listen to the word of God. Let it be resolved to be a twicer on the Sunday. Then your mind will be transformed, as it were, as you listen to God's word. Expression deepens impression. When we share it, it seems to reinforce it with us, doesn't it? So as we share a thought, and as we witness to him, then, you know, that also helps us to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Is there an open air that you can go to? You know, one of the hardest things, hardest two meetings to get Christians to go to, the prayer meeting and the open air meeting. Dear friends, is there an open air near you? Support, stand up, if you can't speak, and everyone can, but to just be there and share God's word once a while with others. A call to separation. And you know, this chapter goes on to talk about there's a call there to humility. Verse 3. I say, through the grace given to me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. What is it when you think of yourself more highly than you ought to think? It's pride, isn't it? And you know, pride is one of the most subtle sins because when you're committing pride, you don't know you're doing it. And if you think you're humble, you've lost it. (laughs) And uh, what is humility? When I abase myself for the blessing of others. Do you know it's written six times in the New Testament? Humble yourselves. It's something I've got to do as a Christian. We had uh, Dave Arden staying overnight with us uh, on Thursday night so we could travel down in the car together. And he left his shoes uh, at the, in the room just by the computer there. And I noticed them a couple of times. And uh, when I came down in the morning, I was cleaning mine. And he said... Uh, You didn't clean mine, did you? (laughs) And he reminded me of the story of William Grimshaw, you know, the preacher who when he would have a visitor to stay, he would give up his own bedroom and he would sleep in the barn. But not only that, he'd clean the fellow's shoes and leave them outside of his room. So the next time you come and stay at my house, I'll try and remember, leave the shoes out and I'll get down to that. But you know, folks, humble humility is about service, isn't it, for others? Putting myself down and being willing to serve for others. We follow one who said this, I came not to be served, but to serve. Praise God for the hands who've served us this weekend in the kitchen and those who've helped uh, organise the food and all the -the behind-the-scenes work that's gone on, you know. We follow one who washed the defeat of his disciples. Think about that. Jesus washed their feet. And so should we. Now there's a history question for you. Can anyone tell me who was the leader of the party that climbed Everest? Does anybody know? The leader, not the man who got to the summit, but the man who was the leader of the party. Apparently, it was Lord Hunt. Leader of the party. But, there was a lot of climbers involved he allowed Edmund Hillary to make the ascent on the summit. He allowed the other man to go there first and receive the acclaim. Everybody's heard of Hillary, Sir Edmund Hillary, first man to climb Everest. But uh, Lord Hunt allowed it. Do you know there's a lesson there for Christian leaders, isn't there? Can we be facilitators 
of others to go higher and better and receive the glory can we humble ourselves and allow others to uh, receive the acclaim I was reading Eric Liddell's biography that's a tremendous one you know the man who wouldn't run on a Sunday and, uh, and yet God honoured his stand when later on he came and won the gold medal and the world record in the 400 metres he was acclaimed and um, do you know at one of the dinners he was asked to speak at he told a story of how uh, he'd, he'd uh, been given a bit of paper with a scripture on that had helped him none that honour me will I honour but do you know what he did at, this, at, the, at the dinner he drew attention to his trainer and he, he mentioned him and he gave praise to the man who, who trained him you know that's humility isn't it when we, we're giving place and esteeming others better than ourselves I, I say Paul says don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think don't think but be humble and then in this chapter isn't it there's a call to unity now this is an important one folks there's much in the New Testament about unity and this is something that impacts everyone in this room here today he says this look we are many members we are many parts of a body and as we are many members in the one body we all got different gifts so we be many a one body in Christ and everyone is a member of one another now folks we're not just in the same group here the beach missions the young life holidays we're not just in the same group we're not just in uh, the same church we're not just in the same family though we are in the same family you are my brother if you're a Christian and you're my sister and I'm yours we're not just in the same family we're in the same body you're a finger and I'm a toe it's the same body whatever it might be whatever gift you might have that's the force of it folks praise the Lord for disabled Christians those like Joni who glorify God from a wheelchair praise God for disabled Christians you know it moves me to think of, of people like that and praise the Lord for them they receive a great reward won't they when they, they wake up as it were and see Jesus with a perfect body like unto his but dear friends do we you know we can disable the body of Christ through disunity and there's a call here isn't there to unity in the body it's very strong so we being many are one body in Christ there's a call to service it says here doesn't it verse 6 uh, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us some people are great preachers prophecy and teaching some people are great exhorters the power to persuade uh, some people God's blessed them with, with finance and they can give some people have got the gift of organisation and can organise us and administer things and uh, some can show mercy and serve others with works of mercy and uh, you whoever you are Christian has a gift from God to serve him with whoever you are you have a gift you should try and find out what it is how do you do that why don't you ask others 
Why don't you offer yourself and your church or whatever, a wild group or a Christian for service? See what job they give you. Sometimes it's others who spot the gift in us, isn't it? But, uh, you know, we've been given a gift, but it's not for our benefit. When you get a gift at Christmas time, it's normally for your benefit, isn't it? But this gift is not for your benefit, it's for everybody else's benefit in the body. We're to exercise our gifts for the benefit of others. Warren Wearsby said this, spiritual gifts are tools to build with, they're not toys to play with, or weapons to fight with. Not toys, not weapons, but tools to build one another up in the body of Christ. Do you have a gift of preaching? It's not for you. It's so you can build up others. Are you rich? It's not for you. It's so that you can provide for others. Do you have a... The Lord bless you with a good house. Whatever. Do you have a car? You can use, it's for others to be used. Our call is to use our things for others. And then a lovely call... A call to love. Do you know, after talking about gifts, Paul often talks about love. You see, because love is more important than gift. Love is more important than gift. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, (laughs) you know the rest, don't you? And have not charity or love, same word here, I am become a sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. Challenging words, aren't they? Do you ever go through those passages and, and, and put your own name there? Love suffers long and is kind. Can you put your name there? Whoever you are, do you suffer long? Are you kind? Love, genuine. Our love has got to be genuine without dissimulation or hypocrisy. Genuine love. A friend of ours called Tony Howarth, he was a missionary in uh, uh, Thailand. And uh, that's where the ties come from. I've got a student who's a Thai student. He bought me this lovely tie all the way from Thailand. But uh, Tony uh, was a missionary. I was in New Tri- with New Tau's mission there. He died when he was 50, sadly, of cancer. But uh, Tony came to speak. He said, in Thailand, you can often get a lot of forgeries. He said, and things which are... Uh, 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 yeah, forgeries, not frauds. He said he bought a pair of shoes once, and inside there was written the words, genuine lava. <laughs> They'd spelt the word wrong. But, you know, our love has got to be the real thing. Think about that person that you find hard to get on with. It's got to be genuine for them. Dear young person in the church here, when was the last time, younger one, that you spent time talking to the older ones in your church? And older ones, when was the last time you got down to the level of the teenager or the young one in the crèche or so on and spent some time with them? We naturally converge to the ones that we like or get on with. But you know, God says our love should be without dissimulation, without hypocrisy, and it should be for all people. Christ loved you and me in our sins. We ought to love one another call to love, a call to prayer. Do you have a prayer list? Do you have a prayer list? Read the Bible and pray. The two pillars of the Christian life, our discipleship, to have a daily list 
doesn't have to be the same every day, but I commend it to you to have a different thing that you pray for each day to help you in your disciplined Christian life. A daily prayer list. Do you go to the prayer meeting in your church? That is the powerhouse of the church. The engine room. David Evans always used to say when he announced the prayer meeting in West Kilburn Baptist Church, he'd say, we're playing at home on Wednesday night. And, uh, do you know, it's the place to be midweek, to go to pray. It's hard. Do you know, there's nothing harder than to pray. One Christian said, he said, it's the hardest thing in the Christian life. But we need to be those. There's a call here, isn't there, to prayer. Have a prayer list. Attend the prayer meeting. And you know when you go, pray. Especially if there's only a few. Pray. Ask the Lord to help you to pray publicly in that prayer meeting. Continuing, instant, in prayer. Steadfastly, keeping on going in a fervent way in our prayers. There's a call to prayer. And the last one there. There's a call to kindness. A call to kindness. It says this. Distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality, a call to kindness, practical love. I read the story of a Quaker. He was walking down the road and the man with a, a, a horse and cart and the wheel fell off the cart. And everyone stood around and was watching this man struggling with his horse and cart. And the Quaker took his hat off and he put $10 in and he said, um, I love him. That much, how much do you love him? In other words, would you be willing to give a gift to help the guy out? Distributing, it says, to the necessity of saints. Are you a generous person? Can it be said of you? Can it be said of me? A call to generosity in the things of God. It was exactly four years ago today that uh, four planes, four men, boarded aeroplanes that were cracked to crash into the Twin Towers and in New York and the Pentagon and another one to be aimed at the White House, September the 11th, 2001. The men who did those horrendous and wicked acts, they were giving their lives for a set of misguided beliefs. Today, the church in Britain faces many, many challenges. Rising secularism, hostility from the world, and one of the greatest threats of all is Islam in Britain today. But you know, these threats to the church of God, they won't be defeated by violence, They won't be defeated by appeasement, as the government seems to think, but by you and I, Christian believers, offering ourselves as living sacrifices to him who offered himself a living sacrifice for us. Dear friends, our calling is to present our bodies a living sacrifice to him who presented his body a willing and a living sacrifice for us. Will you join me in a prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the force of these words through the Apostle Paul by your Spirit. And, O Lord, we ask that you'd impress them 
upon our hearts that we might be those, Lord, who in the light of all that we have and received from you, in the light of all the blessings that we know, in the light of heaven to come, we might be those who solemnly and willingly dedicate our time and ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, him who dedicated himself uh, to the cross for us. We thank you for all he's done. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us to live the Christian life in a practical uh, way and to give ourselves to this holy calling you've called us to. Help us, Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.